Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your books. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, founder of the Author Incubator, Dr. Angela Loria. So excited to have you all with us um, every week, as you know, on Book Journeys. We talk to an author about their experience writing, publishing, and promoting their books so that you can learn, hopefully, from the things they did right and maybe from their mistakes, too. Uh, this week is no exception. We are talking to Hope Karen Correct. Hope is the author of Healing Design, Practical Feng Shui, for healthy and gracious living. Hope, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for the invitation to be here. So let's just start by talking about your book, Healing Design. Tell us what it's about. Well, my book was one of the first feng shui books to bring together more than one system of feng shui. And it's really about how do we create an environment that supports us body, mind, and spirit. Oh, I love that. And who uh, who is your book targeted to help? Well, it's really for both homes and businesses. Wherever a person is spending time, we can do different design techniques that really are about creating more health, happiness, and prosperity. That's the whole goal behind feng shui. I love it. Yeah. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit, before we get into your process of writing the book, let's talk a little bit about what feng shui is and what it isn't for people who might not be familiar (laughs) with it. Sure. Well, the term itself, feng shui, means wind and water, and that name of the art was chosen to picturize that we're not in these static environments. Everything is in motion, the air that we breathe, you can tap on your desk, and while it feels solid, it's actually molecules of matter surrounded by a greater amount of space, and that space has energy. So the Chinese figured out a way to understand space the same way an acupuncturist will understand how energy moves in a person's body. And that's what it's about. It's about keeping it moving, keeping it healthy, elevating it, evolving it. And everything that we do to our environment, it's like the next layer of skin outside of our body, and that's helping us to evolve our own lives forward. Well, why did you decide to write this as a book? I'm going to guess that you had some expertise in feng shui first. Um, Yes. Tell us why you wrote the book. Sure. I went to college for interior design, and at the end of my four years, I was in a health food store, and I had that experience of, you know, the idea that a book jumps off the shelf at you. I saw, I had no idea what feng shui was. This was in the late 80s, and there was just a little pictograph of a house on the spine with the terms feng shui, and and I snapped it up just because there was a drawing of a house, and within five minutes of looking through, and this was the first book that made it to the U.S. in the 80s on feng shui, 
Within a few minutes, that light bulb went off over my head, and I said, oh, my heavens, this is what I was really looking for. And and I remember thinking at that moment that interior design is like icing on the cake, and feng shui is the cake. Mm-hmm. So I, I set about studying feng shui, and I would say about 10 years in, I felt like I had my pitcher was full, and I needed to pour some off into a book to share with other people, and that made room in my own inner process, my own psyche and soul, to continue to feed myself new information. Huh. And so why, so why this book? And I actually, when did you publish this book? It came out in '99. Okay, wow. And I, so, I told the publisher um, that I thought it would take me nine months to write the book. I had this, this grand plan that I would travel to eight different projects and write while I was on the plane. And, of course, the best laid plans, right? None of that happened. I would do a project. <laughs> I'd be wiped out. I would get myself on the plane, and I would crash out with a magazine. So my nine-month plan turned into two and a half years. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so you had a patient publisher. I did. Um, they were pretty used to authors not meeting their deadlines, I have to say. It was Charles Tuttle in Boston, and thankfully they didn't give me too much of a hard time. And so what came first for you? Walk us through uh, what your what your journey was between when you – decided to write your book? Did you get an agent first? Did you get a publisher? What was the order of events? You know, it's it's very bizarre and I don't even quite know how to put it into words and I'm and I'm sure as I put it into words some of the uh special aspect of it will be lost, but I was speaking to a manager of a store and telling them that I was teaching feng shui and And this manager let me know that she was about to quit her job and go to work for a local publisher in Baltimore where I live. And I just, on happenstance, said, oh, well, let them know that you know someone who would like to write a book on feng shui. So two weeks later, three three weeks later, I mean, just on a lot, it just sort of like, you know, an angel whispered in my ear. I don't even know exactly how that chain of events unfolded. So so I just, you know, that just came out of my mouth, and she called me about three weeks later, and she said, you know what, there's a woman here um, who asked me if I know anyone writing any books, and at that point in time, this publisher this in Baltimore was focusing on children's books. So this woman, who was an editor there, was just about to step into the world of becoming a book agent. And again, like why she would ask this newbie at her company, do you know anyone writing a book? And the newbie says, I happen to know someone who wants to write a book on feng shui. And the woman says, I love feng shui. There's not that much out there on it. I need to speak to this woman. So... I speak to the editor, and we get together three or four times, and we mock up a presentation. And when I say we mock up a presentation, it still shocks me when I look back at how professional 
this little eight-page presentation. It literally was like four-color printing, typeset, examples of my writing, a picture or two, a, a chart or two. And it was like a tiny mini version of this dream book. And and I just, again, happened to know a few people who connected me in with a local print house that just wanted to help a girl out and gave me this ridiculously low price to mock up this this sample. And so so we make about 10 packages, and my ed- editor, newly turning agent, takes it to the Chicago Book Fair and gets two companies instantly interested. And I'm just shaking my head thinking, I know this isn't how it typically goes. I think Don't people are sending proposals out left and right and getting rejection letters. And, and it just was really like this little um, – like divine magical path that is just mind blowing to this day how that came together. Wow! Yeah, don't don't try that at home. I don't know that's so easy to pull off these days. <laughs> so what? So okay. So that was all before you wrote the book. What happened next? You you had a, a nine month timeline. Obviously, you went a little right. bit over. But what was your writing process like? You know, it was it was really wild. It was um, well before voice to text was popular. Um, Dragon Speak was just hitting the scene, but you know, rife with problems. So I had my trusty little cassette tape recorder, and I began to sense about how many chapters I wanted the book to consist of and I made a separate cassette tape for each chapter and of course you know you seldom get enough of an advance and that has gotten only worse now Um, you you never get enough of an advance you just quit your day job and just focus on writing so so I was still working at my own business I've been doing feng shui for 30 years now and I um, would get up like four or five o'clock in the morning because I'm more of a morning person and I would sit at my desk and work for one to two hours. But the, the interesting trick was I never knew what chapter I was going to work on. I literally sat there and stayed in this kind of open, not, not really a meditative place, but just an open hearted place where I was present, uh, where I just was curious. That's probably the best word, curious. And I would sit there until I got some sort of inner prompting which chapter I had any energy to work on, and that's where I'd pop that tape in, and I would just go to work talking my book because I really got that working on the computer and writing happen for me on different sides of the brain. And if I was busy typing things out on the computer, my left brain was very active. And Mm. I needed, you know, I just needed to stay so into the flow of stream of consciousness. Now, I think one could probably do that with the voice-to-text stuff that all phones and iPads and tablets have now. But just 
speaking in conversational style, I would go off on these related tangents that were like a dance of a ballerina and nothing as um, planned as I would have done had I been following an outline and, you know, and done it more left brain style. Mm, I love that. And then yeah. did you have, uh, was there an editing process that your, that your publisher took you through or did you have an independent editor? There was a nightmare of an editing process. I will never, ever do it this way again. In fact, I have just been reticent to write again. It's, it's finally, you know, 16 years later, if I'm finally like my heart is ready to face that daunting process again because it is a very solitary process and you just go so deep within your being it just draws so much. So I finished the whole book, got it to the editor, and I would say a few weeks later, I get the entire book back all redlined mm. and not simple things like, you know, that I could just change a word. It was, you know, I call feng shui the Tao of design, T-A-O. Um, so that's just sort of the way of design or... Um, the path of design. So I call it the Tao of design, and they red marked in there, please explain. And so every red mark, like every uh, every one of the 11 chapters, had uh, just dozens <laughs> of these there things. There was a massacre, I, a massacre occurred on your pages? <laughs> yes, exactly. And they wanted it back like in two or three weeks. So the first thing I had to do was go out and have a chocolate sundae. I just had to deal with it. That we just like escape from even thinking about this editing. And and he, again, here I am working full time, and they want it back in a couple of weeks. So I kept track. <clears throat> pardon me. It took me 120 hours to do the editing that they asked. For. That was probably more time than it took to write it. Shoot, no, no, it took about 2,000 hours to write my book. Again, I will never do it that way again, but yes, that's, that's what it took. Well, as a percentage then, that much editing really isn't, as a total hour count, it's crazy. But as a percentage of your writing time, it's pretty, nor- that's a, you know, I always say 10 to 20%, so that's not I bad. Right, and and I will take my hat off to editors because I thought I created this really wonderful book, and after it was edited, it was such a gem. It was so much better and mm. more clear and more elegant, and so I I admire editors greatly. Yes. Yeah. So let's get some advice from you then, because you sound like a perfect person to learn from. What oh, advice good. do you give people about working with an editor, looking for an editor to work with? What, what If you wrote another book, how would you do your, the editing experience differently? Sure. Um, well, I went out with my husband to hear some music um, about a year ago and just was introduced to the girlfriend of a friend of my husband's and she turns out it turns out that she's an editor she works primarily on more uh non-fiction books um uh which mine was as well but she works more on like scientific journals but i had 
such a good conversation with her. Uh, you know, we were at the same table for maybe an hour, and, and I could just tell that this was a woman who thinks outside of the box, who has kind of a an unusual take on uh, her approach to life. And, and I thought, you know, if I ever need another editor, I will probably contact this woman because I don't feel like I'm cut from a normal, you know, uh, cloth in, in society, in, in Western society. My thinking is much more Eastern. So I think um, a person should really be able to track with you. I think that a, an editor needs to be open. They, they're not the final word. They certainly can bring a number of suggestions to the table, but it really needs to sit well within the writer's belly. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I was very fortunate with the editor that my publisher chose Um she was open when when I didn't uh, the lion's share of what she recommended I really liked, but there were a few things where I just put my foot down and I said, "What you're suggesting suggesting is really taking the heart out of what I'm trying to say, and I must say it the way I'm saying it so and and she got that so you know, so I don't mind um debating with someone if they're willing to respect. The writer as the ultimate authority. Yeah, um, I, I will, think it's I, always you have to be clear. So when you know, no, it has to be this way. Right, um, right, right. That then it the, makes it easier to know where they hit the line. Right, and the conversation with the editor would ideally get you to a place of greater clarity, not not in just an arm wrestle, but but it. If the writer can say, "Oh, I see what they're saying," that that doesn't quite um, flow the the train of thought from the beginning of the sentence to the end of the sentence doesn't quite um, allow the reader to track. I can see what she's saying, and if I just slip these few extra words in there, then then we're going to keep everyone on board. And so I, that was probably the aspect of the editing process I found most useful. Is, is, mm. I, you know, the editor saying, I can't quite get what you're trying to say here. I'm, I'm sort of losing you. And then I would understand, oh, okay, so. Exactly. So, but, you know, um, okay, what, well, something that was super important to me is um, my book immediately, within four months of its release, sold out its first 10,000 press. And so the book was being print and and that like spun everyone's heads around at Tuttle. They had no idea it would hit that quickly. And so they had to send the book back to Hong Kong. They had to send the book back to Hong Kong to have another 5,000 copies printed. It was off of the shelf for 4 or 5 months. And the the second printing of 5,000 did not sell out nearly as quickly. Um, so I think um, knowing that, I would highly recommend people work with printers, if possible, with printers in the U.S. to avoid that whole aspect of having to wait for this long shipment from the East. Um, the other the other thing I learned um, to my detriment is 
I did not have the subject of my book in the main title, Healing Design, let book sh- bookstores put my book in interior design, in health food sections. The subtitle had the term feng shui. The main person at my publisher, publishing company, he realized, oh my heavens, we really dropped the ball here. If we would have had feng shui in the main title, then like maybe it could have been healing design with feng shui or using feng shui. He said that he has no doubt the book would have sold between one and 200,000 copies. Now that is a mighty big slip up on the publisher's part, but they didn't know feng shui was such a new subject. They just, they just didn't know. And so, so people who are writing know their subject intimately better than anyone that they're going to be dealing with. So mm. I would I would suggest that they really tune in to the message that they're trying to portray and and find a way to make it so crystal clear in the title that that's what's going on. Yeah, and if in is it 1999 keywords mattered that much it's about 10 times that now with the way uh, uh, the internet the popularity of the internet the way search algorithms work like there is nothing more important than getting the right keywords in your title so that's uh that's a hard lesson learned knowing what that difference could have been although your book has still sold so well you have yes. been promoting it for over 10 years um and so i want to take a, a few minutes to talk about what some of the most successful things that you have seen in promoting your book, what, what's worked the best, and maybe if you have any thoughts on how things have changed. How do you promote your book differently now than maybe 10 years ago? Um, but, right. but give us some information on book promotion. Sure. Um, I do think that having reviews on Amazon helped it immensely. And I took every opportunity to give talks to local newspapers uh, going live. You know, TV's always looking for stories um, to add into their morning newscast. And I just would not turn one opportunity to speak down. And I wrote a few articles for local journals. And I think um, I would have flyers, um, and I would mention the book in my flyers. It was um, part of a an architectural firm. Um, they they said, you know, if, if this is an aspect that you would be interested in including with your home design, we have uh, a local expert, and she has written this book. So any time that my name was mentioned, the people mentioning my name loved adding author of, and and it sort of was a win-win. It would help the book, but it would also make me look like more of an authority. And I didn't know any more after I wrote the book than I did before. But, you know, I knew the same amount, but after the book, it just looked like I was much more of an authority. And it opened a lot of doors for me, so that was... That was great. 
Yeah, it's amazing what a difference it makes having a book. And what you said uh, is totally true. You don't have to, nothing really changes after the book comes out, but the way you're perceived does. Yes. So what are some of your favorite, um, what are your favorite, some of your favorite stories of things that have happened to you because you are an author, things that you, um, that maybe wouldn't have happened if you didn't have a book? Well, I, I think that probably one of the best things is that people who hire me now as a consultant, um, they it's almost like they feel proud that they are hiring someone who is an author. There is a certain level of expertise that a business or an individual, you know, they'll – it, when I go into a consultation, I will bring a copy of my book and sign it and leave it with the client. So I have gone back, and people will have my book on a coffee table and just tell me, yes, my friends came over and they saw your book, and I said, oh, she came and worked on my home. Um, so there's um, – and one, another client, a commercial client, um, he asked me for 25 copies of my book because he wanted to give it to a number of his associates. And, again, there was just a certain, like, that that author's pride was kind of going, continuing to go out through my clients. And that was really surprising for me. Um, you know, it was palpable and, and very sweet. And I've had, um, after writing a book, I've had people interested to know what I'm reading Um Again, like that carries more weight. All of a sudden, oh, she's an author. What has she, what is she reading? We want to know what she's reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and, what um, is your advice to people? I know authors get asked all the time. Like they, people say, I want to write a book. I've always wanted to write a book. Oh, you're so, you know, you're so lucky. You have a book. So, what is the advice that you get asked most uh, about being an author? And what do you tell people? Well, I actually thought uh, co-writing a book with a friend was going to help us actually stay more committed to the writing process, but I have found that it really has not. We both are busy working women, and it's even harder to find time in our joint schedules to get together and, and work on the book that we're working on. In fact, we've put about three years into this book, getting together about once a month and we're maybe halfway through and I feel if we could just go away for a couple of weekends we could finish the lion's share of it but I it it, it really is a solitary journey even if you're writing with another person and most people are not and I think my best advice people know what the peak of their work day is they are they you know more alive in the evening more alive in the morning and then you just need to not give yourself too many days off even if it means sitting down for 15 minutes to focus on the next idea the next page um and it was really surprising to me when i got all 11 chapters finished. I could tell I was about three weeks away from being finished with the book, and I 
felt like I just had nothing left. I had put my heart and soul out for two and a half years, and I had nothing left. And a friend called me. She had a question about something completely unrelated, and she knew I was working in the book. So she asked me where I was in my process, and I said, Jeannie, I feel like I just need to give up. I just, I, I don't care if this book never comes out. I just can't do it. I'm wasted. And she said, I'm coming over after work. And this friend came over two or three nights a week for three weeks, and she Aww. didn't want to hear anything out of my mouth. She just sat at the computer and she said, I love it. Talk. Just talk to me about your book. Don't we're not talking about anything there but is your something book. Something so powerful about having an accountability partner um to help you <laughs> on your book journey. I love it's, that lesson. Well in addition Hope to in addition to uh, an account we're right at the end of the hour. So Hope Karen Direct uh, is the author of Healing Design, Practical Feng Shui for Healthy and Gracious Living. You can find out more about her at www.fengshuiinteriordesign.com. Hope, thank you so much for being our guest today. You're so welcome. Thank you as well. And we'll be back next week on Book Journeys Radio, changing the world one book at a time. This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.